This is a weekend where we uh, give all of our uh, kids ministry volunteers the Sunday off. So if you sense a little more energy in the room than normal and need a distraction, this is the right place to be on the right Sunday. So boys and girls, we're excited you're here, and this will really be fun. Okay. Um, We're going to talk about remembering today. Obviously, it's Memorial Day weekend, and and nationally, uh, corporately, we we talk a lot, and you hear a lot about this weekend as a national holiday. And yet, uh, one of the things that the Bible points out over and over and over is the significance of remembering well, never forgetting, but remembering well. And so we're going to focus on that and go to a chapter in Hebrews 11. It's Hebrews 11, the entire chapter. It's a lengthy chapter. We'll read half of it. Really, it is, it's the biblical hall of fame for faith. And so we're going to read part of it. I want you to watch for what the theme, repetitive theme is as we read the passage. So Jay Gomer has volunteered to read for us today. What we do here is we stand to face the middle of the room. So if you would turn, if you have your Bibles, to Hebrews 11 or look at the screen. Jay, Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 1 to 13. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country, He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All of these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Thanks so much, Jay. You can have a seat. That's lousy when you have to follow a voice made for radio, you know? Sound like a dweeb here, Jay, after you. Anyway. Interesting that the friends and family we're going to be spending time with, Lord willing, this weekend, uh, have developed relationships for a long list of reasons, but one of which is the great memories that you're going to share. 
the shared experiences, the shared stories, and you'll tell them profusely, I'm sure. Uh, we'll be retelling the best. A Memorial Day matters to a lot of people here. Of course, if you're 18 years of age or younger in this room, Memorial Day weekend matters because summer's here. Summer's here. And all 18-year-olds and younger say amen. You betcha. Hey, I want to show you a picture of the, the Vriesman fellas, okay? And... Um, I know I'm cute, but look at the grandkids. Look at the grandkids. And, and granted, this is a little bit of a Chicago sports indoctrination. I'll grant you that in an early age. But we love to hang out. And um, we go to Culver's on occasion after midweek for ice cream, of course, of course. And uh, a few weeks ago, and this is something that Brett, this is my son Brett, uh, does at home once in a while. A few weeks ago, uh, Ben said, let's play a game. He's the four-year-old. Let's play Remember When I Was a Little Boy. <laughs> and it's a game they play. They love playing this game. And so we started playing the game. Now, the fact that my daughter Kelly was with us, I'm going to leave her out of the story, it created a bit, bit, bit of an identity issue for her. But nonetheless, um, remember when I was a little boy. So Papa began, and I said, when I was a little boy... I was walking home from school and I saw a big snake in the sidewalk and I got really scared. I know that doesn't rock your world, but it's what happened when I was a little boy. And then Ben said, when I was a little boy, I shot baskets and made some baskets. And he's four. And then the two-year-old Jack said, when I was a little boy, but Jack's so enamored with saying, when I was a little boy, he doesn't need a story. He's just thrilled to be along for the ride. And uh, you know, grandparents, I'm fairly new at this, but it's a great moment. And one of the things I thought about, as silly as that game was, as silly as it was, it begins a pattern of reflection and remembering of the things that matter most. And I'm not sure we remember as much as we should these days, some of us by age, for others by choice. Um, but I think it's something we need to recapture within the Christian community. Let me uh, ask you a question today, okay? Um, this is an exercise in remembering. I want you to think back, and we're talking about 2018, this entire year, beginning in January 1st, obviously. What is your favorite memory from this year to date? We're not going to go up and down the rows here. I want you to think about it. Really think about it, because then I want you to share it if you feel like it, if you're comfortable with the person next to you. Just wait a minute. What was your favorite memory? See if you can identify one. Some of you are saying, oh, there's so many. Just pick one. Your favorite memory. You have to promise you won't be distracted for the rest of the time I'm up here now. If you trust the person, if you like the person, if you're familiar with the person, share that memory in 10 words or less with them right now. Each of you, take, share it. If it's a two or a three person, what is it? Introverts, just close your eyes. And this moment will go away. Or if you're visiting, you're really in an awkward place. Sorry. (laughs) 
And remember, as always, the longer you talk, the less you have to listen to me. So there's added incentive. Oh, okay, kind of interesting though. Hopefully, if you didn't get to know that person, you at least know what they look like, whatever. Here's, here's what's striking me, and this is honestly from my, out of my own reflection. Did your memory have anything to do with your faith? With your spiritual journey? And again, if it didn't, you're still going to heaven. Don't get me wrong. But you know how often I reflect and how I tell my stories, my exploits, my successes, oh, remember when, but I really fail to tell my faith stories, at least as often as I should. And so as I pass along, as we pass along our faith to the generations to come, what do we pass along? Again, you know where I'm going with that. Perhaps our faith in Jesus could be more deeply rooted if we spent more time remembering, reflecting, and sharing those spiritually defining moments or seasons of our faith journey. Or about the legacy of those who have gone before us that passed along our faith. It's what the author of Hebrews 11 does. And as you understand, it is the Bible, and so there's a lot of reflecting, a lot of remembering. God telling his people constantly, remember not to forget. But as the author of Hebrews 11 remembers the story of Israel, and we only read the first half, but the second half is very similar. It was not the nation's socioeconomic progress he talked about, not the military victories or defeats, nor the technological advancements or even the lineage of the kings, which were crucial in the Old Testament and New Testament times. But it was the legacy of their faith the legacy of the the faith of the people who'd gone before. And this chapter stands as a faith memorial to a people whose imperfect past was defined by people who took a step of faith, stood for faith amidst persecution and adversity, modeled faith and inspired faith. Now, it's like a faith hall of fame And this would be a great Bible trivia quiz if you knew all these names. I'm going to walk you through these lists one more time. I'm not going to describe everyone, but boys and girls, we're going to put pictures up on the screen because some of these Bible characters, I'll bet you know, okay? Okay, so we start by faith Abel, who offered, by the way, a better sacrifice to God. There's by faith Enoch, who pleased God so much God took him to heaven. Kind of a weird story, actually. And then who is this? Boys and girls? By faith, it's, it's a picture of Noah. Very good. And Noah stood up for his faith. He loved God so much that God told him to build a big boat and get all these animals and then travel around for a while, while the rest of the world was destroyed, and then he would be saved. Then the story goes on in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob, the patriarchs of Israel, who set the stage and foundation for the nation. And then, boys and girls, who's this? You know who this is? It's the guy in the middle, actually. It's Joseph. And remember, he had his coat, many colored coat. I saw, I know some of the, for some of you, this was a Sunday school lesson. And he reminded people that God cared. Actually, that's not what the verse said, but work with me. And then who's this? 
Anybody know who this is? It's baby Moses in a basket. Thank you. And what baby Moses did is when he grew up, he grew up and helped God's people and led them to the promised land. And he loved God very, very much. The story goes on and on and on. By faith, the people of Israel passed through the Red Sea. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. And then he says, I don't even have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, not Obama, but Barak, a judge. Just wanted to clarify clarify that. And, and don't email me. That's not an answer. Just, just. And then who's this, boys and girls? It's Samson. Do you know a lot of people think my body looks like his body? <laughs> Samson, now parents, when you tell Samson's story, you got to lighten up a little bit and be selective, some re, do some revisionism here, because he didn't have a stellar career, if you know what I mean. But when he died, boys and girls, he was serving God. And he killed a bunch of Philistines in the process, too. Ever notice when you read these Bible stories, you have to be a little bit cautious? And then the last but not least, who's this? Now, I know you know who the big, bad-looking, evil-looking guy is. Who's the little boy? That is David. Very good. You remember the story of David and Goliath? Goliath was a big, bad guy, and he had the, the big, evil army, and they didn't love God, and everybody was afraid of him, and David was just a little boy, kind of like you, some of you boys and girls, and David came and took his slingshot, and, and he did his slingshot thing, and he hit Goliath on the head, and Goliath got very ill, got very ill. We're not sure if he recovered, okay, parents, if that's good enough for you. You can deal with the truth. I can't handle the truth. Okay, you get the point. It's an entire chapter summarizing these people of faith and the moments of faith of a nation. And this was the conclusion down in verse 39, which we didn't read. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This entire list, this who's who of Old Testament heroes, the intertestamental list of people we don't even know, martyrs of the faith who died rather than disobey. They never received the blessing of seeing the Messiah, Jesus, arrive on the planet in their lifetime. Yet we with them are part of the same story. And when we remember them, we remember ourselves. It's an amazing story. The Jewish faith has an amazing capacity to remember visually. I wish we did more of it. We have standing stones around the property, actually, that are our attempt to do something like that. But they remembered through visual and, and uh, festivals, visual reminders and festivals such as the Passover and the Festival of Tabernacles and Pentecost. It reminded them, those seven-day feasts reminded them of the historic acts of God and the power of faith. They wore visual reminders of God's law, a call to obedience on their clothing. They had tassels on their clothing. And they put visual reminders on their arms and on their foreheads and on their doorposts. So every time they wore them or saw them or walked by them, they'd be reminded of God's activity and his call to obedience. The visual reminders and the calls to remember were everywhere. They put stones together in a pile, reminding their kids and grandkids, guess what happened here, and guess how God moved. 
I think it's a fascinating question. On a Memorial Day weekend, asking how we prioritize and communicate our spiritual memories. Where, when, and how do we recall our spiritual journey, our past to our family and friends? Occasionally we remember as a nation. The past matters. And this is the weekend we're reminded of the sanctity of our freedom and the price many have paid to obtain it and maintain it. And my guess is our proximity to the emotion of this weekend is based upon our proximity to the people that fought and died in it, in the wars of which we remember. Let, let me just share a few thoughts about Memorial Day. For some of you, this will be redundant, and it's obvious for some of you, we just maybe never go there enough. The Civil War ended in the spring of 1865, and it claimed more lives than any conflict in U.S. history. Do you know how many people died? How many soldiers died? Estimates are around 620,000, predominantly men. 620,000 men died. Let me put it in perspective. If this room went to war, one out of the five in this room would be killed. Everyone knew someone or loved someone who was killed in the Civil War, both, both North and South. It actually mandated, it required the establishment of the country's first national cemeteries. There were too many men to bury. By the late 1860s, Americans in various towns and cities began holding something in the springtime, a tribute to the soldiers. They would go and decorate their graves with flowers. They would gather as a, a community and offer prayers on the deceased's behalf. In 1868, there was a general, a leader of an organization called the Northern Civil War Vets, who called for a nationwide day of remembrance in that month. So sometime in May. On the first decoration day, General James Garfield made a speech at Arlington National Cemetery. There were 5,000 people there that decorated the graves of over 20,000 Union and Confederate soldiers. 20,000. Memorial Day evolved out of Decoration Day and gradually came to be known. Uh, of course, it was originally honored only for those who were lost fighting in the Civil War, but eventually other wars were incorporated. During World War I, the holiday evolved to remember all American military personnel who died in all the wars. And again, the more familiar you are with someone who gave their life for their country, the more profound your time of remembering will be this weekend. Some of us may not even bother spending a moment because it just isn't real. Take a look at this picture from Arlington National Cemetery. Again, every gravestone, every marker there representing the life of someone who is loved dearly and perhaps even to this day grieves deeply over their loss. There's another memorial we put up in this country a couple decades ago or so, the Vietnam War Memorial. This memorial is a little more real to some of you who may serve, have served in this conflict. I had a cousin named Al. He was an all-American fella, great athlete in high school, 
life of the party, just a good guy. And he was drafted into the Vietnam War. And when he came back, he, he survived the conflict. He was in the front lines. And when he came back, uh, fun-loving Al just was different. He'd changed. And um, this is before we knew what we know about PTSD. This was before we honored vets from that conflict. And his life was really never the same. And only a few years later, he took his own life because the demons of that conflict couldn't be overcome. You see, in another way, he was a casualty of that war. And when I come to Memorial Day, oh, I love gathering with friends and family. I love anticipating the summer, but I think of Al. In a very real way, he sacrificed his life on the altar of freedom. And so the importance of remembering on a weekend like this may be more significant than we know. What I'd like to do is just have us sit quietly in a moment of silence and honor those who have sacrificed their lives for the sake of the freedoms we truly enjoy. Just bow our heads and have a moment of silence as we honor their memory. Thank you for honoring those vets, those that have given their lives. You know, just parenthetically here, I, I wonder if one of the subtle issues of our day is we just don't spend enough time remembering the right things for the right reasons. We get a little lost. See, when God's people are challenged to remember, the purpose of their remembering was to deepen their faith and commitment to obedience to God. It was to deepen the the fabric of the community, strengthen the fabric of the community. And throughout the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, there's at least three major themes in which God calls his people to remember. And actually, actually, as you read these, uh, and by the way, there's 231 references in the Bible to the word remember, okay? For those of you that really wanted to know that. And they really fit three categories, at least to a great degree. And I would argue they provide a great template for us to reflect on our own spiritual journey. So, and what you can do is reflect on your own spiritual journey as we walk through these uh, prioritizing of spiritual memories. One of the first categories, the first threads that weaves its way through the Bible is that when we remember, remember God's direction in our strategic moments of life. I would have you think back just for a minute. You don't have to share any of this. Where in your life has God brought you through a situation, perhaps delivered you, perhaps offered a fresh start, or there was a threshold or turning point? Because remembering involves recalling his direction in those moments. Now, you know what struck me, too, about 
reading through this stuff, researching it. In some ways, it's the asset test if our faith really matters. Because if we struggle finding these moments in our lives, remembering God's activity, maybe God's never really done much in our lives that we can reflect on. We've just been kind of living the dream, going to church, doing what we do, but God really hasn't been active and transforming. The second theme is remembering the roots of our family's spiritual legacy. And even now, I would just invite you to remember, if applicable, your parents, if they help form faith in your life, your grandparents, your, your uncle, whatever your extended family may look like, who are the people in your past that helped you become who you are in the faith? And I would suggest remembering them and if they're still living, affirming that in them becomes one of the acts of a Memorial Day weekend, creating a faith memorial. Again, for some of you, you're it. You're the first. No one went before you, and somehow through God's infinite plan and providential wisdom, you now love Jesus, and you're trying to grow in your faith, and now you see that you are launching a new faith legacy. And be excited about the opportunity. The third way to remember is remember God's transforming activity. How am I different today, explainable only through the presence of Jesus in my life? How am I different today than I was two years ago, uh, last January, because somehow God's gotten a hold of me. I read a passage, I met a Christian. I, something just spoke to me and, and I'm different today. Paul describes that in Ephesians 2, verse 11. He said, therefore, remember the f that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Remember, he says, remember. You weren't there before, but you're here now. It reminds us of our journey into faith. It reminds us of our identity in Christ. It reminds us of the story of salvation, the story of Jesus, the cross, the empty tomb. And some of us perhaps just don't spend enough time reflecting on the past in a healthy way. And again, for most of us, life moves pretty quickly and we often replace the last great memory with the next great opportunity. The next great experience, the next great trip, the next great vacation, the next great purchase, and we never tell the stories, in particular, of how God has taken us on a great journey. Some of you may know the name George Foreman. He used to pound people to a bloody pulp for a living, heavyweight champion of the world. He's known for a lot of things, that being one of them, but he's been uh, done commercials, and, and lately through the last few years, he's this grilling guru by the George Foreman Grill. A few of you probably have one. Television celebrity, but perhaps known as well because he gave all five of his sons the same name, George. Yeah, all five of his boys are named the same. When asked why he gave all his sons the same name, he usually jokes, if you'd been hit in the head as many times as me, you'd make life as simple as possible too. <clears throat> but then in a more serious moment, 
And understand this, his dad abandoned him as a child. He grew up without a dad. And more seriously, he says this, I name my kids George because I want them all to remember who their daddy is. He wanted things to be different. Recalling and remembering in a healthy way, we remember what God has done in our life, how God has led in our life, the spiritual commitments we made many years ago that impacted not just our faith, but our very lives, our trajectories, our relationships. And I just want to ask you the question today, because it's a good weekend to ask it. How will you, or perhaps how have you, how will you prioritize remembering your journey of faith? As much as we recall and remember everything else in life that is so important to us, and rightfully so, how do we prioritize our faith memories? Let me, this is like show and tell, boys and girls. This is what I have in front of me on my desk every day. And I really cleaned it up and sorted them out so it looks very neat. It's a pile of rocks. And it's my computer and my keyboard there too. Um, But I have things on my desk that remind me of places that I've been and things that are important in my faith in Jesus. See, what places have spiritual meaning for you? Revisit them, literally. Maybe this is a space, maybe this room is a place where you made some kind of commitment in recent years and you need to simply bring your kids, bring your grandkids or friends and say, you know, I was in that seat more or less. I don't want to point at somebody here directly, but I was right about there when God spoke to me, when God did this to me. And there's nothing holy about that space, but it's certainly something I want to tell you about. What you see there in the middle of the pile of rocks is a little picture. And it's, it's hard to make out, so I thought I'd bring the picture up here so you could see it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, really nothing special about the picture. It's the picture of a lifeguard stand on a beach. And if you've been around a while, you know this story. I was a camp counselor at a Christian camp for four summers, and during the summer between my junior and senior year, as I was headed to get my master's in social work, God did something in my heart over the course of the summer and I redirected my career path into vocational ministry. It was on that lifeguard stand. Now the fact is, the lifeguard stand was there for so long, it, it basically it's gone, it turned into you know, firewood. This is a new, a new lifeguard stand, but it still works for me. And I've taken a few of my kids to see that place. And if I have the time when I go back to Holland, Michigan, I revisit that place. Again, there's nothing holy about it, but that's the place that God called me. And from time to time, I need to revisit that place. So I'm not going to Holland every time I need to revisit that place. I have this picture right in front of me that one of my kids gave me as a gift. They framed it. So virtually every day, at least once, I can look at that and say, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. On a bad day, it reminds me I'm following in the footsteps of Jesus. I would find that place, literally. When God moves, when God touches, when you sense 
either through good or bad, uh, that God is on the move, that's part of your story. Remember. And then there are visual reminders, and again, I don't want to belabor this too much, but uh, what visual reminders in your daily routine uh, regularly remind you of who you are, your identity in Christ, a, a moment in your spiritual journey? And you see all those rocks. I mean, I, you don't want to be talking about all these stupid stones for a couple hours, but I could. Let me threaten you with that if you don't wake up. <laughs> this little rock... Um, is a rock that I picked up off of Qumran. Some of you know Qumran is the place where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. When I was there the first time, um, almost 20 years ago now, uh, the leader of our trip, Ray Vanderlaan, was talking about commitment to the text, commitment to the Bible, and challenged us to make a commitment to making the Bible the centerpiece of, of our allegiance to Jesus. And I made a commitment on that mountaintop 20 years ago, and quite frankly, my commitment ebbs and flows like yours ebbs and flows. But every once in a while, I see this rock, and I say, I'm committed to the text, yes. Here's another one, and this is from uh, a rock from Mount Nebo. Anyone, anyone? Mount Nebo? What I like about it, it's from a mountaintop, and it actually looks like a mountain. But Mount Nebo is where God led Moses. Uh, he, Moses was allowed to look over the Jordan River into the promised land. But if you remember his story, he wasn't allowed to enter it or lead the people of Israel into it. And when I see this stone on my desk, it reminds me of the challenge of being a leader and the price of being a leader and the opportunities of being called to lead brothers and sisters in Christ, wherever God has in store. And there are days when I need to look at that uh, stone more than others. Um, I, I know it's, maybe it's kind of hokey for you, but the Jewish faith prioritizes it. I, I've got a two-year-old granddaughter. And by the way, did I tell you my kids are the cutest and smartest of any grandkids that I know? I haven't told you. Anyway, Avery's two. And now she comes in to my office once in a while and she'll sit on my lap and all the stuff, I've got stuffed bears, I've got stuff all over the place. You know what she loves playing with? These silly stones, these rocks on my desk. And she'll take one and put it over here and take one and put it over here. And, then, and you know what I hope and pray? Someday I can tell her the stories of the meaning behind those silly stones and pass along the legacy of faith that began in my family on both sides generations ago. Last week we had a truly holy moment here as we brought new people into the church, celebrated their new commitment to Jesus, and many of you took pictures at the baptisms, at the fountain, you took videos. Those are priceless. But I hope and pray we never treat those the same way we treat McDonald's Happy Meal toys. Somehow they disintegrate or they disappear. I hope those pictures become your own personal standing stones, visual reminders. Frame those. Put them in a place of prominence and point to them from time to time when your kids are down because they don't know if God is speaking to them. Or those times of temptations in middle school and high school and beyond when they're not sure they can do it. We need to remember 
We need to remember. And I always hesitate saying this to people over 60, but tell your faith stories occasionally. You know, it's interesting. When you're a parent, your kids don't want to hear your stories. When you're a grandparent, your kids have to listen to your stories. They really don't have a choice. And so tell them your stories, those significant moments, those transforming moments. And don't just recall your sports exploits, your personal steps or secrets to vocational success. Remind your kids of the formative moments of faith in your own life. And if you haven't had any, pray you do soon. And here's a reality. You may be the first in your tribe that takes faith seriously, and you're going to launch, Lord willing, generations of a faith legacy simply because of what God has done in your telling the story. And even maybe this moment becomes a moment to remember, a spiritual standing stone of sorts where you're going to commit, you're going to take your faith more seriously because you want to pass along what's most important and what's most eternal, a relationship with Jesus. And then check this out. By remembering and retelling your faith stories that have shaped your spiritual journey, you have an amazing opportunity to pass along your own personal faith legacy. So let's remember this Memorial Day weekend, the nation, those who have been called to serve and given the ultimate sacrifice. But let's also remember on this day what God has done for us, what Christ has done within us, and never ever forget to tell the story. Let's pray. Father, this is about moments like these committing to giving our lives to Jesus, reconsecrating our lives to him so we can tell the story to those who are closest to us, to family and friends, to generations to come. As the author of Hebrews reflects back, we reflect back too on people of faith that have shaped us. And Lord, if there are none of those memories, I pray, I pray that For some in this room, this may be the launching pad for a new faith legacy. But Lord, may we never forget that you loved us enough to send your son to die, to be raised from the dead, to equip for us an eternity. Lord, bring us back to that mountaintop every once in a while and allow us to remember. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I hope you have a great holiday weekend. And go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all both now and forevermore. And all God's people said...